A word of warning. This podcast may contain themes that some listeners might find distressing. Not always, but sometimes. However, this podcast will definitely contain strong language. Therefore, if neither of these things sound appealing, it's probably not the podcast for you then, is it? Narcissist Rumblings podcast with me, the Narcissist Psychologist, where today I'm going to be discussing the first half of a two-part series focusing on the different types of mental health professionals that exist in the United Kingdom. So initially, I wanted to focus on the differences between psychiatrists, psychologists, psychotherapists and counsellors for two reasons really. Firstly, I am forever bemused by the number of times someone asks me, as a psychologist, if I can prescribe medication. And right at the start, I want to clarify that I cannot. Um, And I think that this is uh, because sometimes people confuse what I do with what a psychiatrist does. So I thought it might be helpful to clarify that. And secondly, there have, (laughs) I'm not going to lie, there have been times when even I'm like, well, what is the difference between what I do versus what a psychotherapist does versus what a counsellor does? And I figured that if I sometimes find myself asking these questions, then it's very possible that members of the general public must be asking these questions too. So that was going to be the initial podcast. However, when I shared the blurb of this episode on social media, you know, to generate that ever important hype, several followers got in touch to request that their professions also be acknowledged within the realm of mental health professionals, which, you know, I think is fair. And so... Along with wanting to discuss the differences between psychiatrists, psychologists, psychotherapists and counsellors, I was also going to touch on mental health nursing, occupational therapy and social work within the realms of the mental health field. Um, Additionally, under the section of psychologists, I was also going to include the other sub roles within psychology, like trainee and assistant psychologists. Then, while (laughs) researching and writing this episode, all of that started to get too big too long and too in-depth and seeing as I had already missed a podcast deadline that week I decided rather than half-assing the whole thing I would uh, it would make sense to split this episode into two parts with this first part focusing on the professions that I would consider focus more on psychiatric care. Now this distinction is pretty arbitrary and stems mostly from my experience of working in psychiatric inpatient settings. So For this reason, I am going to spend some time talking you through the roles of psychiatrists, mental health nurses and support workers, occupational therapists and social workers within the field of mental health. Um, And then in my next episode, I will focus more on what could be considered the talking therapies. So namely psychology, psychotherapy and counselling and the jobs that fall within those disciplines. Um, It might be worth noting that while I've that while I've put these episodes together, um, because I thought it might be helpful for the general public to have an overview of what some of these um, professions involved, um, or what's ro- or rather what's involved in some of these professions within uh, the mental health field within the UK, this is exactly what that is, 
an overview. So the information I have put into this episode was gathered from as many sources as I could find relating to the numerous professions discussed, but I am conscious that I might not capture all the specifics of the professions quite right. Um, therefore, if there, are, if there are any mistakes or for any listeners who may be part of some of the professions listed, um, if I do not get the nuances of your job quite right, I am sorry. Okay. Anyway, on with the show. After that really long introduction that lasted about three minutes. <laughs> First off, we'll start with psychiatrists. Mostly because this is the profession which is <laughs> most unlike that of a psychologist, psychotherapist or counsellor, as far as I can tell anyway. Um, and it's one of the main reasons why I started writing this podcast episode or these two podcast episodes. So... Uh, according to the NHS website, <laughs> and I love these definitions by the way, according to the NHS website, psychiatry is a medical field concerned with the diagnosis, treatment and prevention of mental health conditions. And, this is brilliant, a doctor who works in psychiatry is called a psychiatrist. Okay. Psychiatrists are medical doctors who specialize in the diagnosis, treatment and prevention of mental illness and emotional disorders, pretty much. Um, according to the website of the Royal College of Psychiatrists, uh, the RCP, uh, which is the medical body responsible for regulating and supporting psychiatrists throughout their career, a psychiatrist will have spent five to six years training to be a doctor. They will then have worked as a doctor in general medicine or surgery or and surgery for at least a year before then undertaking at least six years of further training in helping people with psychological problems. So, all in all, it takes about 12 to 13 years for a psychiatrist to get to the very end of their training. Now, I am aware that there are different levels of doctoring. So, for example, before you become a consultant, there are at least six different levels of being a junior doctor, such as an FI1 and an FI2, uh, which are known as foundation years doctors, uh, which then move up to speciality trainees or ST doctors, which I think is where doctors start to specialize in the different areas of medicine that they want to <laughs> specialize in, um, such as psychiatry. Now, the specifics of progressing through the junior doctor level up to consultant are pretty much beyond the scope of my understanding. But the end result is that if somebody, you know, taking into account everything I've just said, um, if somebody is a consultant psychiatrist, then they have pretty much been doing the gig for at least a decade. Um, and because of all this training, psychiatrists have a range of specialist skills when it comes to mental health. So, for example, and according to the RCP website, psychiatrists can assess a person's mental state, diagnose mental illness, and prescribe a range of medications to manage symptoms of mental illnesses. Now, at this point, I am aware that some listeners might have strong views about psychiatrists and the prescribing of psychiatric medications, or the idea of diagnosis in general. Indeed, if anyone has read, um, if anybody has read up about the power threat meaning frame framework, it's possible that you, you know, disagree with diagnosis and medication altogether. This is something that I would like to address and I'd like to talk about um, in another episode in the future. But if you have any views or queries about this particular area, do let me know. Um, also, if you haven't uh, heard of or read the Power Threat Meaning Framework, um, I do suggest going and having a read of it. 
Right, back to psychiatrists. So, um, on top of these core skills, as it were, uh, psychiatrists will develop uh, skills in working with particular and specific uh, difficulties that affect specific populations. So, for example, the skills and knowledge needed to work with within the general uh, within general adult mental health will differ from those needed to work with children, and again will differ when working within a forensic population. Um, additionally, and whilst this is not necessarily typical, as far as I'm aware, and I'm always open to being proven wrong, some psychiatrists will train to become uh, psychotherapists too, and as part of their psychiatric practice, will offer therapy. Um, but this is something that we will focus on a bit more in the next episode when we look at psychotherapy and psychotherapists. Um, psychotherapists, I mean, sorry, <laughs> I've got psychotherapy on the brain. Psychiatrists, rather, will often work in mental health settings such as uh, community health centres or psychiatric hospitals. And they will often work with a breadth of other mental health disciplines such as mental health nurses and support workers, otherwise known as uh, healthcare assistants or HCAs, occupational therapists and social workers. Um, all of which we're going to have a look at now um, and I guess because all of these disciplines work with psychiatrists um, I guess this is why I've included these professions within the distinction of those who work within you know psychiatric care okay so um, registered mental health nurses or RMNs um, and support workers, you know, as I said, also known as healthcare assistants or HCAs, are nursing staff who provide the day-to-day -day care for those experiencing mental illness, uh, either in the hospital or in the community. Um, they may, in hospital, they may work across various settings, such as psychiatric wards, outpatient clinics, psychiatric intensive care units, or specialist units such as eating disorder units, or again, forensic psychiatric hospitals. Um, in the community, you may find uh, RMNs or nursing staff in GPs, prisons, community mental health centres, uh, residential care, or even you know visiting clients in their home. Um, RMNs jobs and responsibilities are different um, from those of HCAs. So RMNs will ensure that the psychiatric treatment plan outlined by the psychiatrist is carried out. So they will often write care plans. They'll administer the medication. They'll monitor mental health. Uh, sorry, they'll monitor. They'll monitor the health conditions if anyone has um, underlying health conditions. Um, they will often take charge of shifts. So especially in psychiatric wards, um, they will oversee the maintenance of notes, uh, making and also they'll make sure that the legal documentation required to detain someone in hospital um, under the Mental Health Act is above board. Um, and by this, I mean sort of the paperwork required to section individuals under the Mental Health Act. Um, HCA's duties uh, are related to assisting RMNs in carrying out their duties, um, and in some respects they overlap. Um, I guess the main difference between um, nurses and HCA's is that nurses usually have overall responsibility and accountability for making sure that the things that needed to be done in relation to patient care uh, get done. Um, and in the UK, uh, registered mental health nurses are regulated by the NMC, which is the Nursing and Midwifery Council. So, as I said, um, HCA's assist um, nursing staff um, and they may assist with sort of you know doing things like the hourly observations of service users they may assist with escorting service users on leave um, helping them with meals 
um, and along with nursing staff, ensuring that kind of like, you know, as I said, the day-to-day -day care for those within hospital or psychiatric settings are carried out. Um, some further examples listed on a job applications website for HCAs and support workers noted that HCAs are also responsible for supervising service users to make sure that they are safe. Now, safety could relate to safety to the service user from themselves uh, or safety from others. Um, and healthcare assistants may, again, in collaboration with uh, RMNs, nursing uh, nurses, make sort of day-to-day -day or moment-to-moment -moment risk assessments um, to help make sure that service users uh, are doing are doing things safely or that they're not necessarily endangering um, themselves or others, which, which can happen. Um, alongside this, it's also noted that HCAs uh, also give practical support to um, service users and their families, such as assistance with household tasks, um, personal care, or managing their money and financial paperwork. Um, it's also not uncommon for HCAs to provide emotional support and reassurance to service users and their families, and sometimes, again, in conjunction with the sort of registered nursing staff, um, educate service users and their relatives about the sorts of mental health difficulties that service users might have. So, yeah, so that's nursing staff. Um, another important job that is found within the realm of mental health professionals is that of occupational therapists. The Royal College of Occupational Therapists, or RCOT, notes that occupational therapy helps individuals live their best life at home, at work, and everywhere else. Um, OTs who work in mental health are concerned with helping people who are struggling uh, with their mental health to engage in meaningful activities which can help um, improve their well-being and quality of life. Um, so once more, according to the Royal College of Occupational Therapists, um, occupational therapy and mental health is about enabling people to do the activities that matter to them regardless of their mental health condition. So uh, some examples of the activities that occupational therapists might help people engage in um, include self-care tasks such as washing or dressing, um, household tasks such as cooking, such as cooking and cleaning, uh, work-related activities. So I guess helping people um, either figure out the kind of work that they want to do or helping them getting back into work, uh, leisure activities. So again, helping them find uh, things that they enjoy, hobbies, uh, connecting with um, activities uh, either inside or outside of a hospital depending on you know whether they're inpatient or outpatient or inpatients looking to um, you know integrate back into the community um, and along with all of that sort of they'll help service users think about social activities and get them involved in that as well um, the aim of all of this is to help people develop the skills and confidence that they need to manage their mental health conditions and live as independently as possible. Um, and in order to do this, OTs use a range of different interventions to help people, which can be done on either an individual or a group basis. Um, some examples of the specific interventions that OTs might use uh, include the use of graded exposure, uh, which is an approach that involves gradually exposing people to situations or activities that they might find anxiety provoking uh, in order to help them to overcome their fears about the things that they are worried about. 
Um, OTs might also provide, I guess, as I've sort of highlighted earlier, practical life skills training and support uh, to help people develop skills in areas such as time management, budgeting and cooking, for example. Um, OTs can also assist with people who have um, sensory processing difficulties, uh, which can be a symptom of certain mental health conditions or neurodevelopmental, de uh, neurodevelopmental conditions such as autism, for example. Um, this kind of work would involve assessing um, what sensory difficulties service users might have and then using sensory experiences such as touch, movement and sound, for example, uh, to help people to regulate their emotions and feel calmer and more relaxed. Um, so in the UK, OTs who work within the mental health field are regulated by the Health and Care Professionals Council, uh, otherwise known as the HCPC. Um, and then the final role um, to sort of touch on in relation to sort of jobs within the psychiatric care side of things is that of the mental health social worker. Now, unlike the rest of the roles discussed above, it was it was a little bit more challenging to pin down the specifics of the social worker role within the mental health services uh, from the information online. So this section or this little bit of a section is made up from some bits that I sourced from seemingly relevant web pages about social work within mental health. Um, while some bits um, are from what I remember uh, during my training, uh, during my doctoral training. So according to the global definition of social work provided by the International Federation of Social Workers, uh, social work is a practice-based profession and an academic discipline that promotes social change and development, social cohesion, and the empowerment and liberation of people. Principles of social justice, human rights, collective responsibility, and respect for diversity are central to social work. Um, in relation to mental health specifically, and according to a document written by the College of Social Work in 2014, uh, social workers have a crucial part to play in improving mental health services and mental health outcomes for citizens, so, you know, general people in the community of the world. Um, social workers are trained to work in partnership with people using services, uh, their families and carers, and to optimize involvement and collaborative solutions. So basically making sure that the voice and needs of psychiatric service users are heard and respected and pretty much advocated for. Um, in the document by the College of Social Work, uh, it is also noted that social workers manage some of the most challenging and complex risks for individuals and society uh, and take decisions with and behalf of people within complicated legal frameworks, balancing and protecting the rights of different parties. The NHS website uh, also goes on to say that as part of their role, um, sorry, as part of their job roles, social workers protect vulnerable people, vulnerable people from harm or abuse. Um, and I guess this is one of my one of my main anecdotal understandings of the roles of social workers within the the field of mental health, um, and it's that they are really, really good like really good, well, this has been my experience anyway, they are very good at holding in mind the rights and privileges of those who are receiving psychiatric care. Um, I guess, you know, alongside this, they are also um, a vital link, uh, particularly in inpatient settings between service users and their families. Um, now, 
I'm pretty sure that there are lots of things that mental health social workers do that I've not captured here. Um, and I guess if you'd like to hear more about what um, mental health social workers do um, or any of the other roles discussed, um, then let me know. Um, and I can try and see if anybody would like to come on to the podcast and talk about their job in a bit more detail. Um, so yeah, um, it's a bit of a whistle-stop tour of all the different types of job roles um, that I, I guess they're the ones that kind of stand out to me. And if I have missed any of any other jobs um, within the within sort of like the field of mental health, um, I do apologize if I haven't done it purposefully. Um, these This is just based on, I guess, my general experience of what I've, um, of the professions that I've become aware of in my time doing what I do. Um, but now, um, you know, before I end, I'm, you know, I'm not quite, I'm not quite able to do justice with words. Um, the, you know, I'm not able to do justice to the job that these professions do within psychiatric care. Um, so I'm aware that there are criticisms that people have of psychiatric services and, you know, it's not my place to change your views about that. But what I will say from both my time as an HCA on psychiatric wards and through numerous inpatient placements while completing my doctoral training, the work that these professionals that these professionals do is tough. Um, they are really tough and demanding jobs that I think often go unrecognised um, and potentially underappreciated when thinking about mental health professionals. Um, maybe not so much necessarily the psychiatrists because I guess you kind of think about psychiatrists a lot more uh, when you think about mental health but potentially more sort of like the nursing staff the OTs and the social workers um, so with that in mind um, I hope that this has been a helpful episode it's probably one of my more shorter episodes um, but I guess like I said I wanted to um, do this episode properly um, and not make it too long and sort of kind of half arse it um, but yeah um, like I said I hope it's been helpful um, additionally whenever I've referred to websites or documents that I've read uh, you can always go back and check out um, check them out within the transcripts I've written for this episode um, and most of my other episodes in fact uh, I always put hyperlinks in the relevant sections where I talk about references so if I've said anything that kind of piques interests uh, please do go back and have a look through the transcripts um, and you'll find whatever I'm talking about linked there and finally um, if you've got to the end of this episode and you think fucking hell that was some interesting shit uh, why not give this episode a rating uh, or sort of share the episode on social media or with your friends or recommend it to anybody that you think might find benefits from it. Um, it's always really appreciated. Um, and as always, please do come say hi on my Instagram page. Uh, let me know your thoughts about the episode, either good or bad. Uh, I'm always happy to talk further about these things. Um, but yeah, I hope it's been good. Hope it's been okay. Hope you're all okay. Um, until next time. I hope you have a great day, or not, no pressure.